0: Joining us in the studio, always great to have our friend Dean Holland back. Dean, great to see you.
1: Great to see you, and you've got some nice sun Beautiful. coming. In In fact, you have to keep the blinds closed
0: here just because this, <laughs> just so you're not a silhouette. <laughs> yeah, trying to talk to you. Yeah,
1: I would all be backlit; it would be very dramatic. Yes, I know you tried that yourself.
0: <laughs> I know you put that in there. Uh, Dean Holland, of course, a actor, singer, uh, extraordinaire. Dean, you—it's uh, hard to even pin down what you do. You—you're all over the place. You're an MC for many events. Mm-hmm. In fact, you're doing a charity event coming. Up.
1: i am i've got one coming up uh for uh, breaking down barriers mm-hmm. uh coming up on in about two weeks yes here in town
0: over at the steakhouse yes at the steakhouse yeah, yeah that's indeed gonna be a luncheon so uh, And there, along with emceeing, you are certainly an actor. I first saw you perform at Drayton Theatre. You were playing in Buddy Holly. A long
1: to- A long time it's ago. Long that time was just ago. before I moved up here. That would have been in about uh, 2002.
0: You were still getting the young guy so, roles back
1: then. I was. The, I was just, just <laughs> starting just, not to get the younger the, guy <laughs> roles. Yes, indeed. Thank you for that. Uh, You're welcome. I will hobble out of
0: the the studio a little bit later. Uh, But uh, you've also managed to translate to the stage uh, a passion that you have had uh, that isn't common among folks as young as you, uh, and that is for the music of... Uh, of the golden age of of the great American song yeah
1: you know and it's it was very unexpected to me I when I look back now uh, the fact of the matter is that when I was I was 24 and I did what ended up being one of my very last community theater shows I worked in community theater in Hamilton where I grew up from a time I was about 18 till almost 25, 24, I guess, around that time. I went pro when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And one of the last shows that I did there was called Anything Goes, which was is a Cole Porter yep. musical. And I had seen the show before and I'd always wanted to do it. And then when I, when I did the show, I, I remember loving the lyrical content and the music. I thought, wow, this is great, great music to sing and uh, both lyrically and musically. And a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, gave me a box set anniversary edition that she'd either purchased or I think she purchased it and she gave it to me, and it had an enormous l- little book in it with all of this fact about the history of the musical. And I, in my 24-year-old tenacity, <laughs> um, thinking that, of course, that our era had invented all the greatest music, you, you know, you that, know, right, y- yes. you know, um, <laughs> men without hats yes. and all this stuff, you know, you know the Durand stuff Durand, that I had, Duran all yeah. that I had records. <laughs> and... I was really struck by the fact that this guy had been born in 1891. Right. I thought how is that possible mm. that this music to me that sounded so still relevant, still relevant mm-hmm. and current and hip was f- by, you know was written th- that piece was written in 1934. Wow. And I thought that's that's crazy. And uh and so that's how my journey began and then soon after that I you know sort of ran into Jerome Kern and then you and George Gershwin and Harold Arlen and all these people and 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 you I started to realize how relevant the music still was and is still being recorded that's the beauty of that music is great American songbook music just keeps being mm-hmm. recorded and recorded over and over again and there's artists like uh, the one that jumps out most recently is a uh, seal put out uh, uh, right. uh, his last studio album I think his 10th I think I read which will typically will be, be his last studio album is all on standards Mm. and then you read about these people and they go oh i've always wanted to because this is the music i grew up with and i always wanted to do this and a lot of these artists have to wait in a way until they get to a certain stature a certain amount of success yes record where they can just say to the record company i'm doing this because i want to do this because i want to sing this music and so there's so many albums like that in fact one of the i believe one of the first some of the early people to do this, when the Beatles started to do um, solo work, mm-hmm. it was Ringo Starr that put out yes. an album of standards, and apparently it was for his mom. Yep. Apparently, it was all the music that his mom liked. He was the first one, and then of course, the years later, uh, Paul McCartney put out Kisses on the is it Kisses on the Bottom? Yeah, which was all standards, standards. as well. Um, so. You know, there are great, 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 great musicians out there. Annie Lennox has one of my favorites mm-hmm. called Nostalgia. put out that about five years ago. And in fact, the first month of its release was only on vinyl. So <laughs> I ordered the vinyl copy. <laughs> and it was the first new vinyl I had opened in 25 wow. years. And it was such an odd feeling to cut that cellophane, <laughs> sli- you know, and not tear it all off, not, but yep, just slide on it on the side and, and pull that record. album out. And it was so odd. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of those albums out there. There's, there's tons.
0: You're bringing this to the stage in many ways. You've done shows on Hokey Carmichael, Cole mm-hmm. Porter, um, you name them. You've done them. Uh, you've even done a Rodgers and Hart show. I have. But you're calling this show that's coming up, Jazz at the Marsh. It's on. Uh, uh, it's a that and which is a wonderful idea too. It's uh, Thornbury Jazz Works puts this mm-hmm. together. It's June 23rd. Uh, you're you're calling it Rodgers and H because. Mm-hmm. Of course, Richard Rogers composed not only with Hammerstein, which many people know, yeah. but he started off with with uh, Roger Hart,
1: with Lawrence Hart, Lawrence Hart, yeah, or Larry they call the Lawrence Hart, yeah. Um, and his collaborations with him started a uh, hundred years ago this year. You yeah. know, he was uh, and Richard Rogers was sixteen. He was born in nineteen oh two, so he was sixteen years old. Uh, Hart was born; he was about five, I think seven years older than than uh, than uh, Richard, uh, and they started they met started collaborating, and that became his writing partner. Mm-hmm. Until Hart's death in 1943, and in the 1943, a lot of people don't know this, but Oklahoma was supposed to be a collaborative between the three of them. Right, but but Hart backed off. He he could he was he was in a very down, mm. he was in a very low period of his life. His mother had recently died and there were a lot of issues and, um, <clears throat> he died relatively young. He wasn't that old. He was in his mid forties when he died and it was uh, depression based and, and things like that. And, and so he, he, he felt uncomfortable with the dynamic between uh, Oscar Hammerstein and, uh, and Richard Rogers. So he backed out of the project. He took himself out and Oklahoma, which was the first show of Os- ha- Rogers Richard and Hammerstein. Hammerstein. Um, sort of went on that way it's interesting to think how it might have been if if the three of them had worked but so um.
0: it's those stories though that I love because that's what you also relate in your show i do a lot. you do uh, such great passionate versions of these songs and it's funny how you sit there and go oh well, maybe i know a couple of roger hammerstein songs maybe you know a couple of Richard, you know heart and uh, songs mm-hmm. but y- in truth is you know a lot of them yeah. but you don't know is the story behind them and i think that's what makes it even more enriching when you do your performance because not only you you a musician and an excellent one and, and, and portraying these songs with love and respect but you're also dialing us all into the importance of this material, why it should be remembered, and and why you get such a kick out of it, and it's such, it's so infectious that you leave the place humming and really having a whole new respect for a genre that that could be just going by the wayside.
1: I, I really do get it. It's such a passion for me. It's it completely unexpected. I don't know. There was something that grabbed me 25 years mm. ago, and. It's almost insatiable. I mean, I just keep trying to pile on the knowledge, you know, and, um, you know, getting back to the Rogers and H idea, I, I was struck by something I read years ago, and that was that, uh, he wrote differently with these two men. Uh, Lawrence Hart, his inspiration came from hearing, Richard's music Right And when he heard Richard's piece He would then write He the would lyrics. then write the lyrics But Oscar Hammerstein Was very different Oscar Hammerstein Wanted the freedom So he would write the lyrics And work out all that And then he would give it To, to Richard and say Put music to it Right So Richard apparently Was comfortable writing both ways Wow And had to, had to write You know had And then after years. Hammerstein died um, In 1960 Not long after The Sound of Music Was launched um, Then Richard even wrote uh, at least one piece on his own, where he wrote both music and lyrics, and then wrote with people like uh, uh, Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Um, Do I hear a waltz? Yep. You know, so but nothing really compared to the success. Certainly, as a as a Broadway writing team, uh, we consider Rogers uh, Rogers and Hammerstein one of the greatest teams. The five big musicals: yeah. uh, Oklahoma, cool. Carousel, yeah. The King and I. South Pacific, and uh, The Sound of Music. The five huge, huge, huge ones. And then there's some other little ones scattered in between there. But it's interesting because from a jazz point of view, it's much easier to adapt Rodgers and Hart songs. And some of the songs that I thought of songs that I would mention on the show here today, which would be a surprise, I think, to some people, because they don't think they Rodgers and Hart, Right. right? So you've got My Funny Valentine. Oh, yes. You've got Bewitched. Yeah. Right? But some of the other ones, Blue Moon.
0: Blue Moon. Is Rodgers and Hart. Rodgers and yes.
1: Um, and another one that I think would really surprise people, Janis Joplin, did a recording of Little Girl Blue. Little yes. Girl Blue is Rodgers and Hart. Wow. You know, I mean, that song was written in the 30s. Wow. And she recorded it in the 60s. Yeah. And it became one of her... One of her bigger Big hits, hits, "Little yeah. Girl Blue," and she messed around with the timing of it because when you look at the original version, it actually, um, unlike almost anything else in their songbook, most of it is four 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 time, or sorry, four four time. But then it goes into a, in the middle a little bit of three four time because it's got that carousel feel, right? right. And then it goes back to four four time again. And huh. so, um, so people are really surprised that that songs like that. There's other. There's a lot of other songs that the jazz, you know, like "Where Where or When." There's a small hotel. Um, there's so many uh, that are Rogers and Hart songs that are so much part of the
0: jazz uh, standard library for Rogers and Hart. It means for an amazing show. It is the music of Rogers and Hart, the root, the music of Rogers and Hammerstein. It is happening at the Marsh Street Center mm-hmm. Saturday, June 23rd, Part of Jazz at the Marsh put on by Thornbury Jazzworks. For ticket information, you can uh, always go to the Thornbury Pharma Save. They've got tickets there. Yep. Collingwood's Blue Mountain Music, you were just in there. They've got tickets.
1: They've got tickets, and you can get them right at the Marsh Street Center as well. Um, and this is the last show of their spring series. Right. And then they sort of take a little hiatus. Right. And then I believe uh, Tony Bauer, who runs the series, he said that they pick up again, I think end of August, August 24th, I Fantastic. believe. And so they take a little hiatus. And they're great supporters of music and youth as well. They give mm-hmm. bursaries um, for kids to uh, to uh, attend programs uh, in Southampton uh, and things like that, so they're they're really
0: really really big on uh, music education for kids. More details on the show is on our page, the event page at thepeakfm dot com. Dean Holland, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank Talk at the town.